All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Climb, the StarCraft II podcast focused on the Below Master Blue Collar Leagues. I am your host, Will, a.k.a. Lord Cranial. Hello, my name is Dan. I go by Captain Hoppa. Each episode, we will dive into the ups and downs of the Diamond Ladder experience while searching for the secrets to get good. Yeah, we're just three normal players who are working on climbing to that next rung of the ladder. We're trying to improve ourselves, and sometimes we have a little bit of issue uh, measuring ourselves, but tonight we hope you enjoy the discussion. And our topic will be measuring improvement in StarCraft II. Yeah, we also have a special guest tonight. Uh, she is a Platinum II Zerg and an artist within our community. Please give a warm welcome to Ono SC2. Ono, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing pretty well. Super excited to have you here, Ono. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely excited to be here. So before we dive into our topic of measuring improvement, I will ask this question to our wonderful guest. Uh, how's the ladder been going? You know, it's actually been pretty balanced. The last big chunk of time, I had a big loss streak, which was somewhat influenced by some whiskey. Um, but it was followed by a really big win streak. And then after that, about the same amount of time of back and forth, about 50-50. So ladder seems to have figured out where I belong. I've definitely been in, I've definitely been influenced by those drinking streams before. <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah, I know exactly they're how they're fun. They're really fun. Yeah, they're really fun. Well, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, well, did you have fun? Totally worth <laughs> did it. Did you have fun playing those games? No, that's great. Was there like anything in particular that was giving you trouble or aggravating you or anything like that? Just my general problems. Like right now I'm having a hard time uh, in my ZVP matchups, um, particularly when they do one or two base all-ins. Um, I think most of my problem there is kind of in two different categories. Is like, firstly, I love to drone. Drones are the best. I just hit that D key over and over again um, without stopping. And so when they show up at my base with like a million units and all I have are like, you know, 60 drones, it becomes a problem. Um, and then the second thing is I've been working on scouting and I can scout Zerg because I play Zerg and I can scout Terran because they're a little bit more straightforward, but scouting Protoss is like its own beast and I have not mastered it. So just, uh, just as a Terran perspective, it's hard for us to scout them too sometimes. <laughs> At least I'm not alone then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely run into the experience too, where I will scout a Protoss and I will have a good idea of what it is, even if it is a two base all in. And then uh, they just change one thing and I'm like, well, I wasn't prepared for that kind of two base all in and I made the wrong units or, you know, it's sometimes you see it coming and you still get hit by the train. So uh, I totally understand yeah sometimes i'll see it and i'll be like i don't exactly know what's happening here but i was gonna make units but turns out like i didn't start soon enough and where i made the wrong kind you know so i still have to work on understanding exactly what's going to come at me and when well you said you said you were scouting and uh i think that's great it's a wonderful challenging skill to work on and i also do think that you probably scout better than me at this point like i don't know it's it's very it's you're very thorough i <laughs> Very thorough, more thorough than me, more timely than me, um, but it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. Even when you have a good read, I sometimes you don't. <laughs> That's got to be the case. That's what I'm experiencing there. So what about you guys? Uh, playing games. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty typical. Oh, no. Do you have any other general thoughts you wanted to add or that about it for the latter for you there? Um, 
for for tr- troubles yeah for sure that's my that's pretty much what i've been working on right now so that's great to hear uh you know i always enjoy your streams it's really fun to watch you uh improve in real time and even just thinking back to how you started streaming you've already improved like a crazy crazy amount since then so uh it's always it's always a pleasure to watch and it's a it's a good time it's a cozy it's a cozy good time in there thanks that's actually really nice to hear i uh that's my main focus so being able to have other people come in oh man it happens sometimes people come in and they say like you've gotten so much better because they like only drop by every few weeks oh like it's literally my favorite thing so thank you Oh yeah, well also being in plat too is like it's it's very fun because there are things that like you make one teeny tiny little change and you can immediately see the results. I really I'm nostalgic for it. I miss it a lot. <laughs> I miss I miss how the adjustments were, you know, a little less nuanced, but you know, hey, that's uh that's why it's an entertaining, challenging game to play, you know. I I gained an entire rank just switching from uh, trying to do macro however I was doing it to doing it in like the organized macro cycle way. I became like this steamroller for like three entire days. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. The macro cycle is one heck of a beast. Yeah, those always feel like the best improvements where you just like you power up and then just like roll over somebody. That's 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 always so much fun to for starters, just to see it start to work and then, you know, just pile driving through players up to, you know, the next rank. It's always a lot of fun. Always the most satisfying part. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, Will, how's it going? Uh, I have not really been able to play a lot of games recently. I, uh, I was sick a little bit, a little over a week ago. So I've been just like trying to catch up with a bunch of stuff so i haven't had that much time to ladder but what's really cool is that i came back to ladder during the uh whenever they cycled in the new map so that was that was interesting to say the least i popped into the blizzard client and i was just like oh oh that happened now okay well i guess we gotta learn some new maps yeah well and and i'll just say at the time of recording this the maps have been live for a two whole days so it's it's very fresh but it's always an exciting time it's always an exciting time have you gotten a chance to play them all yet i don't think so i don't think i've played all the new maps yet i played like i don't know five or six games last night and a lot of them a surprising amount of them were on the new maps but i think it was only two of the three it's definitely interesting because there are a lot of people out there right now trying to figure out the best cheeses for each map (laughs) good lord it's uh it it's always I don't know there's always a certain freshness to it when the maps are out and you know it's a little more chaotic I think and it's a little more wild but I've learned to kind of embrace it and just yeah I 12 pull a lot like I, I do a lot of random I do a lot of random things that like don't make sense or shouldn't work but I'm just honestly I'm just like trying to get the reps in and and honestly there's certain things where it's just like where do I take my third like just answering that question, it could take me like five to 10 games before I'm like, no, no, I feel correct in my choice, you know, and I just expose myself to different situations. And I think that's a pretty much really smart thing to do. I know I watch a lot of parting and I know parting says that every time he comes across new maps, he just spends like a long time just like messing around on them to see what they can do, what he can do with them. So I think that's like experimenting is a really important part of getting better at StarCraft, in my opinion. It, it definitely is. Um, 
I tend to be a stubborn jackass though, and <laughs> I just try and plow through with my macro machine. I haven't cheesed. I haven't cheesed on the new map pool yet. I think that that probably needs to change, but you know, we'll we'll get there at some point. But for right now, I'm just trying to figure out where the if I get a Terran, where are they going to proxy me? If I get a Protoss, where are they going to cannon rush me? If I get a Zerg, how fast can they get roaches to my base? Stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, not. Not too much to report. We're going through a little bit of a lost streak from not being able to play as much and also coming off of another lost streak. So, you know, we're, we're going to sit at 3.3 for a little while, probably. Well, I, I also think that, like, when, when the maps are new and fresh, it's very hard to have other focuses on top of that. You know, like, like just because my my brain is racked from like looking at a different map you know like even even just like the colors and the display kind of makes my brain work like overtime just because i'm just thinking about angles and uh, you know directions and push paths and all this sorts of stuff all together right and then it's also like oh yeah and i was gonna learn how to you know scout my opponent's third base or whatever but like that just goes out the window for a little bit just because it's there's so much happening you know yeah, it makes sense. You gotta, your brain has to adjust to the new environment and take it in instead of being able to filter it out like you know it did before. Yeah, it's funny that you say that the um, like the colors kind of distract you a little bit. I'm pretty sure I'm becoming like a Disney villain or something because I haven't even noticed the colors of the new maps. <laughs> I was just like, there's angles. That's about it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's because when I'm like looking at my base cameras, I'm just used to looking from those cameras. Like, I'm used to those cameras being the same every time i hit that button right it's like always centered like it's always right there and it's always relatively the same and then when it's like slightly different my brain just has to do like a little like double take to mm-hmm. <laughs> to just be like oh the minerals are on this side of this base <laughs> and it, it just it just adds up over time it's, it's such a weird sensation but i'll probably be over it by by next week i think <laughs> yeah it, it just takes a little bit of time to get used to the uh to the new map pool but um I know my update was a little bit short, or sh- a little bit shorter than usual, I should say. But uh, Dan, how are you doing on the ladder? What uh, ups and downs are you facing? Uh, okay, well, uh, so I, I did ladder. I laddered on today's Wednesday, so I laddered on Monday, which was the pre-map release day, and that was like a weird PVZ simulator day. So it, I, I made a lot of questionable dis- decisions about executing my queen walk and uh i got a lot of practice on the build but by the end of it i was uh i was pretty bored like <laughs> it's kind of boring when you do the same build uh in every situation and uh i don't need a lot of information to do a queen walk if i see like two stargate units that's usually enough for me to be like yeah we're gonna do it like <laughs> uh even even if there were some weird choices where like i did it into like a couple two base setups uh it worked one time and it didn't work the other time and both times i think it was equally a bad idea but uh, we did we we did it you know and we executed the build so you know it's good practice in that way i do think my execution of that build is is pretty solid but you know it's there's still so many ways for it to go wrong or for it to or for my opponent to make it go wrong for him like it, it really just it always plays out differently even if i execute it the same and i mean i usually don't execute it 100 percent the same but it's it's in a good spot honestly it's a very uh well rehearsed build uh and then <laughs> the the next day was the first like new map day uh for me um i've kind of dabbled a little bit in the new maps as far as custom games like you know a handful of games here and there and 
um, just playing, you know? And uh, so I kind of played some of them. I still don't have, like, strong opinions on any of the maps. Uh, maybe one. Like, Curious Minds, I've played the purple one. I've played a decent amount on that. I feel like I have a good feel for it. But, you know, I, I still wait. I still wait a long time before I really uh, complain about certain maps. Uh, it just It just takes reps for me. At least you didn't go right out of the gate saying you absolutely hated any of them. That's a bonus. Oh, no, no, no. I, <laughs> that's 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 hilarious because that's one of the things that drives me crazy about Reddit is like Reddit will see like a picture, a picture, <laughs> a picture of the map. And they'll be like, this this map is going to ruin ZVT ruin. for a million years. It's completely ruined. And I'm like, bro, you haven't even played on it. Like... <laughs> What's even worse about it is that, like, sometimes they don't even show pictures of the map. Sometimes they just, like, they hear rumors about new map pools being come out and just like, oh, my God, so Protosses are never going to win again. It's like, they haven't even released pictures of it. Come on, man. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm very slow to have opinions. But eventually, I will get opinions and I will complain about certain ones. It'll just take me a little bit to get there. Um, just because you need reps. And, and you know, the stuff that bothers me in, ZV, in like ZVT, like ZVT positioning, will not bother me at all in ZVZ. So like even like Oxide, which was atrocious for ZVT, uh, and I would complain about it whenever I ran into a Terran. Uh, for ZVZ, who cares? It's fine. It's regular. I, it doesn't bother me at all. And, uh, you know, you just kind of got to work your way through it. I mean, it's funny that you say that because I, uh, usually I have the same mindset except for the last ladder pool. And I, like, I tried to leave Beckett Industry in for a little while and then was hit with like the fastest DT rush possible before I could even get a Raven out. And I was just like, nope, we're going to ban that. I, this this is gonna be the first map I ban in like you know three seasons, but now nah, we're we're not playing this map. You know, I I as a rule pretty much don't ban maps, but I've got really close to banning Beckett, so I feel you. <laughs> yeah, Beckett's just one of those. It's it's such a small map, and everybody loves to tell you like, oh yeah, Terran is fantastic on this map and admittedly there are some really good positions for Terran on that map but you have to survive the initial rush and I'm not good at that and I don't want to deal with it so I just know we're not doing it <laughs> yeah I honestly I I did fine with Beckett because my roach stuff works pretty well on Beckett like it's not it's actually it's actually pretty good I think and it's also a strategy that involves me ending the game relatively quickly like not mining out anything or whatever so you know beckett i mean it was annoying in some regards but uh i i'm uh, it was okay i'd still complain about it but I, I could also embrace the absolute chaos that it is i mean again disney villain i'm i'm feeling stagnant i'm gonna stick with my macro and colorless maps hey macro is the <laughs> foundational you know skill there so i mean I, I i do need to cheese more a little but i'm in that boat with you well, I mean, now's now's a great time to work on your cheese as well. I mean, that's that's the other thing I was gonna say is I was I was twelve pulling a lot. I was doing a lot of random all ins, uh, you know, even twelve pulling on maps where I'm like, this is probably a bad twelve pull map, but uh, whatever. Well, you know, hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll just uh, we'll try it. We'll keep them on their toes. Uh, a lot of people were like playing random too, which is you know, I think some people play random to uh, to learn the maps, and uh, I was blindly twelve pulling random players, so. You know, it's it's fun. It's fun. I, I have low attachment to these games early in the season, you know, so it's just whatever. That's good. That's the way you should think about it. 
And with that, we're going to go ahead and end the stream. I'm going to go cheese a bunch of people. I'm sure Dan and Ono also <laughs> want to go and cheese a bunch of people. Anyways, you can find the links in the chat. But um, uh, you didn't really mention much about uh, ZVT or ZVZ. How are those going for you? Pretty good. Uh, I, I had some. I had a lot of ZVTs yesterday uh, on the new maps, and particularly a lot on Curious Minds, which is the purpley one, um, which is it's an interesting map, and I think I have a good feel for it. Uh, there's a lot of weird vision blockers, which I think are really strong for Terran, but the tower also like reveals all of it. So if you have the tower, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I am very proud because I did have a game where I played Battle Mech, and I mean it was a weird it was a weird game in general. Uh, like I took damage, like I did, had a great opener. I took damage to Hellions, uh, kind of evened out, and then you know then he makes BC Hellion, and then then he made Mass Cyclone. Like it was the whole thing. But the most satisfying part about it is that I had like two beautiful beautiful 360 degree surrounds uh on a battle mech player uh which felt especially cool because i also like i don't know the map like you know so it's like like tracking down a cyclone army when you're trying to cut them off and just splitting your army i did it twice in one game uh it was uh it felt fantastic and uh I've, i felt very cool because again it's it's a relatively new map i it's it's one of these amazing things that can happen. It's the magic of just having your army stand in two places. Because a lot of times they just kind of push in and then you're like 80% already flanking them. You just got to kind of keep it keep track of them and then kind of cinch it up and oh it, it was beautiful. Banelings exploding into cyclones, uh lings hardwalling on one side like fantastic. Sounds beautiful. Um, do you have any more general statements about your ladder match, or do you want to move into highlights or lowlights? Or, uh, yeah, that one was actually my highlight was the battle mech one. It was a really, <laughs> it was a really messy game. But uh, again, it, it's one of those games where uh, it's a mech player who's doing everything to stay in the game, and uh, I, I'll give him credit. He he did change up his unit comp a lot. Like he made two BCs, and then I was sweating a little bit from that. Uh, and then, then he went into cyclones, which made no sense to me, but something I have to, something I have to completely change what I'm making to deal with. And, uh, you know, it, it, I was, I was scrambling, but still holding it together. And a lot of it is the lead I had at the beginning. Uh, I do think it evened out, but I also think we, we navigated the, uh, the unit making decision tree pretty well. You know, it's like, I didn't overmake corruptors. I made enough corruptors, but then I went into Ling Bane when I saw he was going more battle mech like it's it was chaotic but we came out on top it took a while but uh it was a satisfying win for sure knowing how many corruptors is such a skill you gotta like toe that line so closely yeah well and it's also he made he made two battle cruisers right and and one bc like it's fine you can get by without it but two in Yamato it's like you gotta, you gotta at least have the spire because you don't know if he's gonna keep making them, but you gotta have it. And he stopped after two, which I was a little surprised because of Yamato. Uh, but you just gotta kind of roll with it in those games because your opponent can, they can do, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> um, sometimes whenever I go and play, uh, like a couple of Zerg games, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see something like a, like a couple of carriers or a couple of battle cruisers, and I'll just like spam the corruptor key. And suddenly I just have nothing but corruptors and like five lings on the ground looking up, just like, what do you expect us to do? I don't, we can't take out an entire Protoss base by ourselves. Let's guys. Okay. <laughs> you can go puke on the 
buildings, though. You can. But... My favorite part of Corruptors. <laughs> it's, al- it's always scary for me because I don't want to fly them over. F- Wait, I should be flying them over photon cannons. I don't want them anymore. What? <laughs> this is revolutionary. Oh Jesus! Will Will, you can send me some replays. No worries. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you where you're screwing up on your corruptors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll send you my next Zerg replay. Yeah, yeah. No, no problemo. But yeah, I mean, it, that that game also was like, oh, maybe I do understand this map <laughs> fundamentally, you know, and uh, it was great. Yeah, it sounds like awesome reactive Zerg play. Uh, did you have a low light or? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a quick one where I 12-pooled a random player uh, who was Terran, and then he 4-raxed me. So uh, it's actually really good to have a 12-pool in that situation. Uh, and we 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 did great. Honestly, I killed a lot of Marines early. I killed like three out of the... Or I killed two out of the three SCVs. I denied the bunker up in front. I had three Queens on the low ground. Uh, he got a bunker up like kind of far away from my base, so I wasn't even worried about it. Uh, but then I decided to underestimate the DPS of four Marines in a bunker, and I was I pushed out with my queens a little bit too much, and I lost. I mean, I didn't lose all of them immediately, but I lost a lot of health on them. And then he got another four Marines, so then it's eight Marines, and he steps out of the bunker, kills all my queens, and then I'm just like, um, I think I'm kind of dead. Uh, it took a little bit longer. Like I still had a spine and other stuff, but uh, I had all of the tools. I had all of the tools. I had all of the, uh, you know, the wherewithal. Like we killed the SCVs. We trimmed down the marine count, and those are all the things. Like if you can trim the marine count to start, oh, you're, it's great. You know, you just kind of chill. Um, and then the other thing that I think is kind of funny is that, like I've never been in that situation before, where it's twelve pool versus uh, uh, four racks. I think maybe two or three, it's been fine, but four is a little different. I also just like, I forgot that I 12 pooled, right? Because I, I, when I'm fighting the Marines at my natural in that setup, I just feel like I did a 16 pool. But the reality is that my drone count is much lower than uh, it normally would be if it was like just a pool first or something like that. So I made some like, um, you know, maybe not not the most intelligent trades and I was... I mean, the worker counts were pretty much even, right? But usually you're automatically ahead. So I, I didn't really, I could have droned a little early when we first deflected it. And then, you know, then I look, I'm like, why well, don't I have any money? It's like, oh yeah, I 12 pulled, you know? And it's uh, it's just different. So uh, I think I learned a lot about that situation. I, I think I can chill a lot more in that situation. I think a lot of it too is just, it's overconfidence. You know, I'm like, I got three queens. Like, what's he gonna do to me? I got three queens, it's fine. And, uh, you know, I just poked out a little too far and got punished. But 4-Rex, it's a, it's a build. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that actually sounds really similar to a uh, an opponent I faced recently who 4 racks me. Yeah, I, I tried to go into like a three-command center type of build against it. And that's not, that's not what you want to do. I, the funny thing was is that whenever I, I left the game, we were actually on technically even footing, but... Oh man, yeah, I, I know how it is with the four racks, and sometimes you like overestimate your position. It's just like, oh well, there's actually two more marines, so that you know your stuff dies a little bit faster now. So you got to k- take that into account. I, I also think that, um, I mean, I'll give props to my opponent because he took a bad start, but he he kept the commitment there, and uh, 
when you're forex and you really don't have any other options you know your only option is to keep going and to like just keep going and going and going and you know i, I watch a lot of the coconut game stream and uh one of the things that's kind of a meme is is the second wave you know you, you never underestimate the second wave because a lot of times you'll see people like they'll they'll deflect the first push even crush the first push right and then you kind of you kind of relax a little bit but meanwhile she's like just getting another round of warp in like she's just doubling the amount of army she she had previously and is just ready to go in again and and that's that second wave it'll uh it'll get you and sometimes it'll get you really good usually like after the initial wave i'm just like okay so the thing that they're probably going to do is they're going to float their barracks away and they're going to land them back um i don't know how many barracks they have so yeah well i think that that relief of not dying to the immediate oh shit kind of part of it like the oh what's happening um not dying to that is usually great but then you take like one breath and then you're like oh we're cool and then you're definitely not (laughs) (laughs) yep that's that's the experience of the proxy player it's yeah it's just it's brutal to try and determine how all in that they actually are yeah, I usually start making drones when I definitely needed to not make any drones. I'll have like eight drones coming out as they're like walking up my base. I'm like, F10N. Well, and you know, commitment is is a is a beautiful, powerful tool. And uh, if it fails, just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at some point, you just don't have a choice, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Any uh, last thoughts about your ladder session? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you know, hey, I'm still uh, pretty loose and flexible in these new maps, and I'm sure eventually I'll have strong opinions about them. And they look great. You know, they look very pretty. There's some I really enjoy. I don't like some of the robots, like the little, the little. <laughs> oh my god, that's I forgot about those. Those are so annoying. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think they spawn them too close to the the natural base. I forget what map this is, but there's a little cleaning robot guys that are like neutral neutral critters on the map but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be near the base it should be like outside like you know like 10 hexes away uh but whatever it's it's a minor detail do they get in the way of placing your building they can, can you can they stop you oh my god it's it's like an rng thing so like i i haven't had it happen to me but it's it's something i'm annoyed at when i have to think about it <laughs> oh i haven't actually played on the new maps i cannot wait to see these robots <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I do like the I do like the critters that they put on some of the maps, but good lord, don't put it right in my natural, please. I don't want it to. I, if I genuinely don't want it to block my command center, I know I'm supposed to not be bothered by that because I'm Terran and I can lift my buildings up, but it still bothers me on some level. It's like somebody watched. He just a, wants to hang out. He just wants to hang out. Well, like. Well, you can murder you can murder him if you really want. So. No. <laughs> He just wants to clean your base. A move a SCV. It's fine. No, I, I refuse to do that. I, I'm already at war with one party. I don't need to be at war with the critters as well. <laughs> All right, guys. And with that, we can go ahead and move into our topic of measuring improvement. So we're all, you know, blue collar players. We all are going out there and working on the MMR fields and the MMR mines trying to get a little bit better, but something that we really need to pay close attention to is how we measure our improvement. That is, it's a vast 
quandary, really. There's so many different ways you can measure your improvement on the ladder, and some of them are kind of wrong. Some of them are only kind of right. There's so many different metrics that you can use to measure your progress on the ladder. So, uh, Dan, I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you, see if you have any initial thoughts on the matter. Yeah. So, I mean, we did a whole episode about MMR. Uh, you know, it's a discussion we've had many times. I mean, it comes up all the time because it's it's a big part of our lives at this point, you know, like, <laughs> um, but for me, the, the way I look at it is that I, I feel like MMR is, is such a long term measure. It's the measure that everyone points to first as like, how like good, good of a player you are. Um, but it's also going to fluctuate. And it's also, I think, representative of a general trend over time, right? The person who's 200 MMR higher should win, right? But won't necessarily, and can also just have a bad day Well, they'll lose every game, you know? And um, I think that's such, it's the number that everyone uses, but you as a developing player kind of have to find your own sort of metrics, right? I think that's the most uh, important thing for you know, finding something that you can actually latch onto and actually keep track of because it's also, there are a million things that are happening within a game of StarCraft and it's very challenging to have the right priorities or the right, just just even like checking your work and just being like, well, I thought this was a good idea. Was it? You know, like sometimes you have to experience that to, to learn it's a bad idea and it takes it takes time. And uh, it's a challenge always to measure this. I think actually one of the most important things to keep in mind about MMR is that it's really representative of um, kind of where you are right now in your current skill set. Because when you start to work in new things that you haven't done before, but that are necessary for your improvement, you're going to lose MMR. And sometimes you're going to lose a lot of MMR. I know that when I came back to playing StarCraft, um, you know, about four months ago, five months ago, I started just one build, all three matchups. I did this one roach push on two bases and I moved into three bases after that. And that's all I did over and over again. And I went shot up to plat two. And then I was there for literally like forever because um, I could not, I could not handle if I did not win in the mid game, I couldn't handle late game. I couldn't handle certain cheeses. There were like just so many holes in my play. And so when I decided, okay, I'm going to start like branching out. I'm going to get better at different aspects of this game, um, which is like going to make me better. My MMR tanked down to gold, almost three, actually. So like that didn't, I was getting better during that period of time. So, you know, my platinum two MMR back then, is like not the same as my platinum two MMR now, because I was very narrowly focused then, whereas now I have like a broader range of skills and you have to accept that that MMR is going to hit badly really badly sometimes when you're incorporating new things that you don't know how to do yet yeah something that we mention a lot on the uh, podcast is that you really should if you're going to use mmr as a metric you should definitely be looking more at your mmr range so what is what ceiling are you at what is your floor and you know is your floor moving up is your ceiling also moving up at a you know about the same rate that's kind of a better metric of how good you are becoming um with that being said you know like i recently fell back down to my actually i think i 
fell a little bit under my floor. Should I be worried? No. Anyways. <laughs> it's just a struggle. We but, all got to work on it. Yeah. But I feel like that's a much better indicator, just like looking at the range of MMR that you can play in. And even then, MMR still isn't the best indicator. I like I recently played in a, a tournament hosted by Pikapow, and I beat somebody who was, you know, like 400 MMR above me at the time. And I even took a game off of like a 4.1K Protoss. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's, you know, your MMR isn't super or isn't necessarily how good you are as a player. It just means that, like, this is where you stand on the ladder at this moment. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, there's it's always different in competition, too. And, and I think that's one of the benefits that we mentioned in our competition episode where it's like, yeah, you can you can hang. You can hang with people who are higher MMR than you. You may not win the series, but you can at least you can you can put up a good fight and you can take some maps and you might even win the series. You know, I, I've certainly had some pretty insane comeback wins that I went into like preparing to get dumpstered you know like i <laughs> like the lowest of low expectations and then you know i i i pull out a you know two one win or something like it's uh it's it's quite an experience and it, it shows you too that i also think that the ladder itself is especially brutal where it's a some rando and who knows <laughs> you know like good luck good luck figuring it out you'll have to do it in real time and if you figure it out too late uh, you're dead. I think uh, that's a really good point that you can to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with people who are much higher than you in competition, too. I think the level of preparation can also make a big deal. It's like, obviously, you're not going to be getting that on ladder, but you might be able to prepare against an opponent in a tournament if you have forewarning. Yeah, just just to make a point, uh, I did practice with Ono a little while ago, and she did take a couple of games off of me. So, oh. it, like, you're in a... <laughs> your like your MMR, if you are going to use it, like look at your floor and your ceiling. I would not look at what your MMR currently is because that just could mean that could mean anything. Honestly, you could have had a bad day. You could have had a fantastic day. You need to be looking at the trend and you need to be looking at the floor and the ceiling. I wanted to mention too because I know that it we kind of did a did a good job just now of explaining, um, like practically why. MMR is not necessarily going to be super accurate. I think it's like important to remember there's like an emotional aspect to it that's something I think a lot of us are familiar with and need to fight a lot of the times because I know that when I have the highest MMR I've ever had, I don't want to try anything new. I just want to keep it and like maybe go up. I don't want to go down. I don't want to like risk it because now in my head, like I'm a plat two player. I don't want to go back to gold. Like you know, so it can it can be hard to like emotionally disconnect from that number. And so if you can keep it in mind, like and remember, like, oh, I'm also battling this emotional thing inside of me. Like, I need to make sure I don't like see myself as this number. It's it, it gets a little easier, I think. Yes, I think uh, I think we've all gotten to a place where like you want to be very protective of your MMR, you know, like especially if it's like a new record. Yeah. And, and one of the things, like, this is my coping mechanism is, first of all, I barely look at it. Like, I, I try not to make, like, I don't make direct eye contact with my MMR all the time because <laughs> it, it drives me crazy. And, and you know, it, it I look at it and it's lower than I want it to be. And I'm like, I feel bad now, now that I've looked at it, you know, like, um, <laughs> so I just try not to look at it. And then it's, oh, what's that? 
here's the other thing too is that i've been you know in this diamond two range for a while at this point right and i've had plenty of ups and downs i've had a four you know a 4k peak twice and you know i've i've hung in 3.8 for a while too but i've also been like i've also been 3.6 like more than five times <laughs> you know like i've been 3.6 and then i've been below it and then i've been above it and then i've been below it again and then i've been above it and then i've been below it again and like one of the things that i have noticed as well is that every time i've done that i've been a legitimately better player right like just more equipped to deal with many different things, many different situations, just in knowledge, but also just in like practice where it's like, yeah, I've seen this before, like whatever. Um, and even, even though I might be slugging it out at a different place, I'm still 3.6 as the number, but I know that I am much better at this and you know, those are the times where I get called a smurf, but it's like, bro, I just, I just lost 10 games. I'm climbing back. Like, give me, give me, give me a second. All right. Like, I'm glad you think I'm that legit, but like. <laughs> Being called a smurf is easily like the best insult. It's really just a compliment. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I, I love being called a smurf. Honestly, that's like, you're not hurting my feelings, man. I mean, I, this is my MMR. So. Well, it cracks me up too, because it's like, yeah, go look at my profile and you can call me a smurf if you want, but you will see that I am not, I am clearly not, but whatever. Like the best salt literally that I ever got was just this person who asked several times, like, how are you platinum? Like, because uh, they're like, you shouldn't be able to do that at platinum. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just to be blunt like that that lesson is hard as shit to learn like it's like it's genuinely something that i still struggle with like if you watch my stream from last night i was really frustrated that could also be you know me recovering from being sick and also just being tired but like we we tend to just like hold that number up on a pedestal when we really shouldn't there's so many other things that you could be looking at as like good indicators but no, we, we use this little four-digit number to describe how good we are, and we want to make sure that other people can see how good we are based on that one number that ticks up and down. So, I think that's natural, though. If you think about it, the system is designed around that number. It displays it pretty prominently. There's like a little bar that gets filled up and goes down. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole game is really centered around it. Um, and also, like, I think that there is just like an inherent constant struggle, like with it, like you're never going to get over it. I would be shocked if even like the best players, in fact, they probably even have it worse dealing with that MMR number in, in inside, you know, like Harson has a whole series dedicated to <laughs> like road to rank one where he like, he really is trying to, you know, get to the top of the GM ladder and he's, you know, always looking at it. And then it's kind of sad to see whenever like he loses and he loses like 50 points. He's just like, no, that's like a week's worth of MMR. Uh, it's just like, oh man, I, I, I kind of know what you're going through. I've never lost 50 MMR, but I, I kind of get it. I think it's, I think it's also hilarious too. When you like watch Sarah's stream and he's at like 6.9, he's like, man, I'm not at 7k today. I'm, I'm playing terrible on this account today. And it's like, Cyril, you just you just beat like ten Protosses in a row, <laughs> all within the top ten of the EU ladder. Like, but you know, it's it's everyone's everyone's got their their hangups with it, and you know, it's it's uh, again, I I agree that it, like the prominence 
of the display of the number is is just something that's there you know and and i think it's really up to the individual to how you kind of spin that for yourself right because otherwise you go insane and and otherwise you go insane and not only that but then you start to play worse and then the whole thing just kind of goes off the rails but um, start to tilt yeah and and having that experience you know just living with it or dealing with it being lower than you would like it to be it's gonna happen it's gonna happen to me again you know like it's who knows what it'll drop down to but it'll definitely happen again i don't know when that's gonna happen but it will nothing it'll, it'll always go up i can just tell from now on always <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah maybe we'll see oh, I'm I, don't sorry. Even, I don't even I want to joke about that because i'm gonna think it <laughs> I, I appreciate your enthusiasm but uh sure <laughs> i think uh honestly like that struggle too is is I think one of the reasons why this community can be so supportive of one another because we all kind of understand the slog that it takes to like deal with going up in MMR, going down in MMR, losing a bunch of games and how that makes you feel. I think one of the, it's one of the reasons why we can be so tight knit and maybe also one of the reasons why there's kind of a lot of salt, you know, a lot of emotional investment. It kind of goes both ways, right? Because it's also like Oh, I'm I'm 500 MMR higher than you. You can't tell me anything about this game. You know, like it's it's that kind of attitude, which is like insane and over exaggerated. But we are also like we're all playing the same ladder. You know, even even if you're like, oh, you know, a gold league ladder doesn't count. Like, it's the same. Like losing 10 games in gold league feels the same as losing 10 games in diamond league. You know, it's still dealing with a lost streak and dealing with this feeling of like. How did I make this happen? What did I do wrong? You know, it's 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 very similar in that kind of regard, you know? Yeah, there's still, like, in everyone you're playing is theoretically going to be at your skill level. So even if it's 10 game loss in GM or 10 game loss in gold, it's still 10 people who should have been at your level who beat you. Yeah, exactly. Like, they are playing at your level for a reason because, you know, they're winning and losing at about the same ratio that you are. You are technically of even skill. Maybe one person is slightly favored over the other, but it's it's a fairly even match, and it, it does kind of drive me crazy to hear stuff like that. It's ugh. But uh, speaking of win loss ratio, I actually did have something written down that would be a pretty good uh, indicator of improvement, and that's actually uh, your win loss ratio versus practice partners. Now, this is something that I've definitely have been experiencing a little bit more recently. Um, for those of you who don't know, Helium Bunny, one of my moderators, she uh, she kicks my ass very regularly every time we play, To the sometimes to the point where I'm just like, no, I'm done with StarCraft for tonight. Goodbye. <laughs> been there. Been there. She's so good. I finally started to hit a point where I can like occasionally take a game off of her. And... Just knowing that I could do that versus a Diamond 1 Protoss who is arguably Masters 3 in uh, PVT, it, it, it does make me feel better. And it actually did show that like I am improving because even though Helium Bunny tends to mix up her styles every once in a while, like she is a very solid player. She's kind of a benchmark that I can set myself to and push myself towards. Now, it's not like ladder where it's just like, oh, am I about to get flowered? Am I about to get cannon rushed? Am I, you know, is this guy going to rush to carriers? It's always something that's fairly standard. And even if it's like aggressive or cheesy, like it's standard. And it's something that I understand because she has decided to take the time to practice and hone these things. So if I can beat her when she's doing these like fine tuned things, like that make, that makes me feel better. 
that makes me feel better about my improvement as a player. And the really nice thing is, is that she's also improving. So in theory, we're both improving together. And that means like, we're just, we're, we're getting better together. I've always felt like that was a really good way to show that, you know, you are getting better at the game. It's just, you know, these practice games with people. Yeah, definitely. And, and to, to add to the helium bunny is a great practice partner. I am in the same boat. Uh, she will typically win, I'd say probably like seven out of eight games that we'll play. She'll win seven, seven of them. I'll, I'll squeeze out a couple, you know, if there's some weird stuff going on or, you know, I get a really good start. But like the, the thing that I think is great about her as a practice partner is that she is very uh, meticulous and thorough and she will hold you accountable for doing dumb things or overstepping it's it's very stats-esque protoss where it's just it's standard it's it's not necessarily the craziest thing you've ever seen but it's it's thorough she crosses her t's and she dots her eyes and uh will just kill you eventually uh if you you know just let it happen so um i think it's always it's always enjoyable and and this is another thing too is that i i've realized that i really like a good practice session with someone who's like a couple hundred a handful of mmr higher than me just because i know that it like it keeps me accountable and it it forces me to stay on track and it's a very nice feeling because i do feel like it 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 drastically elevates the level of play that i have to bring to the table right because sometimes on ladder i'm like eh, we're ahead but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna go through the motions because i know i know what to do and like i know that what this guy's gonna try to do or whatever but when it's someone who's who's i'm trying to kind of punch up at it's it's such a different experience and i can definitely feel improvement even if it's you know four or five games or whatever i can feel the adjustments there I uh, actually, the most of the practice partners that I've had have been in Diamond or like, like even Upper Diamond, which is obviously significantly higher than my skill level. Um, but every single time that somebody practices with me from that level, I go back to the ladder and I crush that mashup. Like I completely slaughter it just because like you have to fight to your maximum, really, especially when you get to do it over and over again, um, you know, to to try and win. And you may lose literally like I certainly do every single game pretty much. But then when you go back, those skills are just honed to pretty much the best that they can be. Yeah, it's usually because like a lot of the higher league players, like they're going to punish every single mistake far more ruthlessly than any ladder uh, opponent will. And their timings are going to be much tighter. Their unit control is going to be much better. Their macro is going to be far superior. So it's just like you have to improve you have like you have to cross your t's and dot your i's or they're going to give you the smackdown of a lifetime and <laughs> chances are they're probably still going to give you a pretty a pretty solid beating but the like the more you have to grind through that type of stuff like the more the tighter all of your timings and everything will be so i don't know like i, I feel like there's a lot to be had for you know practicing against somebody who is like significantly higher than you because it, it forces you to have to play better and i mean another thing is just like after the games you can go over all of the uh like little mistakes that you made and they can give you suggestions like uh, well you know your timing hit 15 seconds late so i had a whole other warp in that i could do if you hit 15 seconds sooner i might have actually been dead you tighten that up a little bit you hit the 15 seconds sooner and suddenly it's a it's a fairly even match yeah i definitely think there's a lot of um 
there's a lot of like it's like a sink or swim kind of thing like it's kind of like you're thrown into the deep end and it's like well you gotta tread water like <laughs> um and you know it can feel pretty punishing at first but it's also like it's it's such good practice and, and the amount of analysis i do like the amount of analysis i do on a helium bunny like custom game session is i i'll get into every detail of that replay because i also know that like it has to be it has to be tight and there's there's always stuff in there that that i can pull out of there and um, I, I definitely read into those a lot more than I do um, for ladder games as far as like analysis, like self-analysis goes, um, just because there's there's more in there. You know, there's more like, oh, you know, she's doing her honesty, her honesty push here to make sure I'm not blindly droning. And I'm like, that's that's what you're supposed to do. You know, like that's that's a good move. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, just as a, a little bit of a side note here, like as like as you ask people who are higher than you for practice matches and stuff definitely play with the like some of the people who are beneath your mmr as well because they also need that practice and it also gives you an opportunity to like tighten down the bolts on some of your mechanics like just making sure that all of your micro cycle or macro cycles are correct it gives you an opportunity to like work on micro and stuff like that so i definitely encourage you to also play against you know uh, people who are looking to play you as the higher skilled player yeah, that's really important to keep in mind. A lot of times when I ask for help, I don't actually know very many people in Platinum. Um, so when I ask for help, I always keep in mind like, oh, they're kind of doing me a favor, you know, unless they really want to drill down their fundamentals. This is kind of like, you know, punching down. I'll have any golds that ask me, but I don't really know any. <laughs> that's all right. Well, I think it's uh, it's it's always interesting, too, when you're like, I am the higher ranked player. So I will play like Serral and I will just just try to just just do whatever I need to do to get ahead, you know, and it's, it's definitely, uh, beneficial for both sides for sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Outside of that, there is another way that you can measure your improvement and that is the score screen. You know, they always flash up some pretty numbers for you after every match. You should look at those numbers, maybe not so much APM, but you should definitely look at the numbers that they are, uh, that they're giving you there. In particular, like I used to have two minute supply blocks every single game without fail. It was really bad until I like started looking at it. It's just like, oh, this is this isn't how this is supposed to be. And had to like, you know, have some dedicated practice on making sure that, you know, I wasn't supply blocked for literally two minutes of a ten minute game, just not building anything. Um, you also have, you know, unspent resources. There's APM. You can look at the army graph and see like are, like am i maxing out at the correct time i mean you also have like the replay that you can go into and i always encourage people like after a match just immediately go into replay even if you don't intend on watching it it's, it can be hard to watch that replay though so i want to say that if you don't feel like you have the emotional energy to go into the replay um, definitely look at the army graph and the compare it to the um, economy as well because i feel like you can see where things are linking up you can get a lot of information from that too yeah, one thing I'll say is I, I barely look at those numbers on the whatever APM supply block page. I, I'll occasionally notice it if it's like a if it's like a six minute game and I've been blocked for like three minutes and I'm like, uh, okay, that was a problem. But other than that, I barely look at that. I look a lot at graphs and I look a lot at uh, like the really steep slopes of my droning and whether or not that was a good decision or not because I, I can get a lot of beat by beat information on that. But it, it this is this is one thing that I kind of remember doing is that when I was this is probably in plat, I, I really don't remember, but 
um, I just realized that, like my layer just never started at a consistent time, you know, like it, it would just start whenever and uh, depending on, you know, the pressure or the situation or, you know, all sorts of things. So basically I had a, I had a time where I would just every replay, the only thing I would really write down was just when my layer started. And also the other thing I would put in would be when my first layer tech started, right? Which is usually road speed. Um, but having a layer done and just having it sit there with no layer tech is not, not ideal. So I just would keep track of that and be like, okay, well, your layer was late here. Your layer was uh, surprisingly early here. Like it, it was just all over the place. And it's one of these things where um, I had to do a lot of analysis, you know, of my replays to just be like, this is a thing that happens to me all the time and in many different situations, right? And then just by knowing that this is a problem that I repeat and then keeping track of just if I'm doing it or not, uh, it, it, it helped me just narrow down that one thing, right? And now I feel like I'm at the point where I can... Well, I can kind of feel it out like, oh, do I need a layer? Uh, sort of, not really. Like I, I can make that decision a lot looser and a lot less like, oh, it's four minutes. I got to start it. Like I can, I can adapt it to the situation, but I think that that's a lot more like intermediate as far as like understanding and game sense sort of stuff. But uh, it took, it took some time for sure. You know, and I think that feeds into like my kind of ethos or whatever for how to improve. Like I like to set like a, a very specific concrete goal, like usually something smallish, just like that, where you're like, I want to make sure I have my lair. Um, when did I get it? Did I get it on time? And that's all you're really focusing on because uh, if you do that, you know, maybe you have like 16 other million different things that you need to get better at. But if you do that one thing, once that's better, you can move on to something else. So you can throw a couple more in there. So it's really important to do it step by step so you can see like concrete results. Yeah, and those little improvements do add up over time and make you a better player. Like making sure that, you know, you're you're getting if you set a goal to be maxed out at a certain time and you're missing it by like 30 seconds, you bring that that 30 seconds, then you move on to just like, well, well, I should also have 70 workers at this time and then, you know, you move towards that goal and suddenly you're like this unkillable juggernaut just going through the ladder. Exactly. Granted, it's, you know, there's probably more things that have to go into it than just you know like 70 workers and a max out timing but if you're like if you're starting to like nail down all of these little specifics like you do become a better player for it i mean eventually it definitely does become something that you need to do more than just that but like for instance like i started doing that um like i told you guys i dropped down to like gold three almost pretty much gold two um and i started doing that and for me at that level it really was just make sure you have you know your bug cannon of 80 drones going at this certain time make sure you get your third by this time and as long as i was spending those resources i actually did usually just win later on it starts to get like oh now you have to do these smart things with your units and not like throw them into tanks face first or something but back you know in the earlier it, it is really more about just making sure that your stuff is getting done on time well, here's here's the thing that I realized that like uh, if if you were to ask me when I was in platinum, hey Dan, when do I get a layer? I would have been like four minutes, you know. Like I would I would have had something to say, but now when people ask me that, I'm like uh, I don't know. You get it when you get it, you know. Like, <laughs> and, and it's it's because it's situational. You know, it depends what my opponent's doing. You know, it depends on so many factors that I have to weigh in every particular situation. Um, so I don't have like a time or like I don't have like a 
oh, you get it when this is saturated or whatever. No, I just get it when I get it. You know, like it, it's it's become such a weird, like intangible thing. But it had to start as something that like I force myself to get at a certain time. And, and to the same degree, like link speed, like getting link speed at 100 gas, right? I don't even think about it anymore. It just happens. Uh, the only time I ruin it is if something weirder has happened in the early game. And then I think I have it and I don't. And then I just forget it. Oh, right? I hate when I do that. But if it's a normal opener and it's a normal sequence, I, I will get it and I will not think like one thought about getting it. You know, and that's kind of insane that, you know, I've been able to get that sort of automation. And again, it's link speed, right? It's not like it's not like a huge thing, but it's also a growth thing. Right. And if we're talking about measuring improvement, it's like, yeah, I just I just get it. People have watched me actually make those improvements in real time. I know we went over this for the last episode, but I just love this game so much. It's where I basically yeeted a bunch of Marines behind a mineral line that I had no business putting there and then just got annihilated by Bane Lee. It was just like, oh, wait, that's right. We slow push with the tanks. What are you thinking, dude? And then just like slow push to Zerg to death. Oh, yeah, that was a great game to watch. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um. What other... Uh, what do you guys think is a a good measure of improvement? How do we like know that we're getting better? I think that maybe it's sort of, this isn't like a very hard, fast thing you can measure so much as a state of mind, because if you are open to accepting feedback, I think that's a very important aspect of improvement. And if you're in a mindset where you're accepting feedback and can take a criticism even if it's coming from yourself without having a negative reaction to it that's pretty much i think when you're really going to be able to make that kind of progress so it's less about um less that's less specific but it's really i think very key to getting better in general i think that's actually a fantastic point honestly um being in the right state of mind to improve is everything. That's that's not just a StarCraft thing. That's like a real life thing, honestly. Just like yeah, you, you need to you need to be in the mental state to like want to learn, want to improve, and like be like have the drive to do so. Yeah. Um. the The thing that I'll say is that I think it's really important to set these kind of small checks. Uh, just because StarCraft is filled with ten thousand things all at once, right? And if you're trying to work on 10,000 things at once, you're going to fail at all of them, right? But if you're like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to focus on droning our third base as fast as we can. We're not even, you know, going to care about anything else. We're just going to do this. Yeah, you're going to die some games, but you're also going to, like, crush a lot of all-ins all just by, like, just having things faster, you know? And um, I think having these little things will always kind of add up. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges is developing this kind of sense of prioritization and the sense of being like, okay, I made this mistake, whatever, it happens. And there's other mistakes where you can go, okay, this mistake should never happen. <laughs> I think it's also really important to consider that owning those mistakes and recognizing that you have weaknesses that you need to work on is kind of um, not going to be able to be balanced with, um, I guess I'll call it 
focus on balance in the game. Like if you have a perceived imbalance in this game that you think that there's something that you just can't beat or is broken in some way, you're going to focus on that rather than focusing on what you can do yourself. So you have two options. You can go play the race that you think is stronger. That's an option. Or you can go, I don't care what that is. Like even if they're less this is not the case but even if it were the case that they were less skilled than me and at the same level as me it doesn't matter they're at my skill level whatever they're doing I'm gonna beat about half the time unless I get better so I need to focus on getting better in order to do that and not focus on whatever imbalance I think is happening yeah just to add on to that like if you are one of those type of people who wants to just like find like an outside excuse like balance i highly 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 implore you to actually play the race that you think is busted i used to be fairly bad about that and just think like oh protoss is imbalanced granted i still get frustrated with it but i'm not like i don't think it's broken by any means but then i you know i took some time and i actually like played protoss and i would do stuff like proxy void ray cannon rush like just the irritating things that i know that i was struggling with and then realize like oh yeah, so the Protoss is actually playing on a Razor's Edge as well. That's actually pretty good to know. It is it is very much eye-opening if you're willing to put in the time to learn that, you know, like your, pro, like any, like your opponent is working just as hard as you are to win the video game. And the, they're not utilizing better tools. They're not utilizing, like, you know, whatever you want to blame that shit on. Like, take, you have to take responsibility. Yeah, I think things are different. Like there are different tools and different strengths for each of it. Each race has their own. And I think that's pretty well known by everyone. And so it can, I think, sometimes look a certain way or you can perceive it a certain way just because it's not the same as the tool set that you're using. Yeah, we all have things that are broken. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Our brokenness balances each other. (laughs) Exactly. It's imbalanced balance. That's, That's really what it is, you know? And it's like... Yeah, I don't like scan, but like, don't take creep away from me. You know, like, don't. Oh, I will freak out. <laughs> the the one thing I'll say that I I try to catch myself, and I think this is pretty common, is when you have that internal voice of like, it, it, you have an internal voice that starts to sound like a is it Imba intro card? You know, where I'm like, I I saw this guy, I did this thing. I encourage everyone if you ever get that voice where you're like, I don't understand what happened. Here's what you just have to watch your own replay from your perspective. Do not look at your opponent. Just watch it from your first person perspective, because I guarantee you there will be 20 things within the first five minutes where you're like, "Eh, this is just this is just bad, you know, and like and sometimes that first five minutes is uninterrupted, you know, and it's it's one of these things where, you know, that that early game is just weighted so heavy and. Uh, watching a replay from your first perspective, you will be like, wow, this guy's bad. <laughs> I know I've done that for my own replays many times, but you really, sometimes you really just got to sit down and you got to watch it and you got to endure the pain of watching every mistake you've made laid out for you in slow motion, basically. You have to remind yourself that you suck sometimes. Like, <laughs> it's important to keep it in mind. <laughs> It's funny that you guys mentioned that because now I've started doing a mental exercise where I I pretend like I'm writing into Iotis <laughs> and just to and like now I have Harsim in my head constantly telling me <laughs> what mistakes I made. 
all of those is it imbas you know they all play out the same way it's like yeah you didn't have an early game or yeah you 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 just didn't you didn't do these basic these basic stepping stones or something like that and you know it's it's this is the thing that that kind of drives me crazy is because the advice of just macro better is i i don't like it as advice because it's always in a dismissive kind of tone but honestly it's it's usually correct you know like it's it's usually right because it, it's it's such a struggle to do it to do it perfectly and to do it uh consistently as well you know i feel like this the sentence just macro better can be completely fixed if you just remove the just it's just like macro better not just macro better but definitely macro better yeah it does kind of make it sound like a dismissive statement i i I've said this before, but I really think that we should be a little bit more granular about how we use that and, you know, just, you know, say macro better, but also like include a little bit of detail, just like, well, you didn't have a certain number of workers at this time, or you didn't have enough production structures at this uh, set of time. And what I like about saying stuff like that is, you know, you have something that there's a concept you can grasp, like there's a number that you can push yourself to. And, you know, if you can do that thing then you can realize that like you know hey like i i'm feeling a little bit better in all of my matchups because now i actually have an income which i can spend it's like it goes back to having those small concrete practical goals like you know instead of saying macro better that's a that's especially for a newer player or a player who doesn't have a lot of experience under the belt macro can be like a scary term that encompasses stuff you're like oh there's too many things going on in there being like, I didn't have enough workers at this point, or I am supply blocked too often at this time and this time, or I don't have enough production buildings. Those are like concrete things that you can work on. Yeah. Well, and it's one of these things too, when it's like, when you're saying macro better, what you're really saying is do everything that you're doing better than you're doing it, you know? Yeah, basically. And like, it's correct in a way, you know, because there are things that I could just be doing better even in the first five minutes, you know, and and I think this is another thing that I remember when I was kind of leveling up is that I remember someone was like, yeah, you should try to have like 55, 60 drones by five minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> by, by when? Like, it's felt absurd. But then I started doing it like and I'm like, oh, I'm completely safe to everything. Like nothing hurts me, you know, like. <laughs> like it's fine and i have a great economy you know and it's like the best of both worlds but but even just getting to that like idea being acceptable in my mind was like a whole thing i had to get over you know yeah i absolutely agree one of the biggest things that like pushed me into the next league whenever i was like in gold was uh you know a masters player coming by and uh just looking at some of my games and you know usually the response i would get on reddit is just like yeah you just make more scvs or you know oh uh, well protoss is broken or some you know some crap like that but uh it's super unhelpful <laughs> but i uh you know this this masters player came by watched my replay it was just like you really need add-ons it's like what are you talking about i need an army it's just like yeah but if you have add-ons you could build army faster and it just like revolutionized my entire world. I was just like, oh, I don't actually need an army at this time. I can just make add-ons. This is amazing. But it's stuff like that is really helpful when it comes to like guiding newer players to uh, you know, macro better, quote unquote. I uh, I remember, so I stream uh, like you guys. 
And um, a lot of times I'm, I have like an improvement stream and I, I don't, there's no, no backseating there. There's plenty of backseating. It's, it's allowed. I'm, I'm open to it. Um, so we get like helpful backseaters who are usually better than me or at least aware of what's going on in the game better, who will give me that kind of specific advice. What a sing out Pika Pow. He's been extremely helpful. Oh God, he is. He is really helpful. Yeah. So good at it. But then you get other people, which, you know, you just kind of have to ignore who will focus on being like, oh, you should do this fancy trick where you burrow banelings and then explode them underneath the army. That'll win you the game. I'm like, I don't know if that's really where I should be focusing right now, considering I was supply block for two and a half minutes and also, you know, didn't have half of the stuff I needed. But um, so it's really also about making sure that you even either giving the advice, making sure you give specific advice or when you're getting advice trying your best as someone who may not be as good as the person who's giving you advice to try to filter out sorry my cat's yelling at me um trying to filter out like maybe less helpful pieces of advice (laughs) yeah one of the things that like i i i didn't start streaming until i was like diamond three and uh i i can't imagine trying to sort that out like like the amount of like good backseat versus bad backseat prior to that because uh, it's there's so much information and, and and there's also just there's so many ways to do the same thing you know and uh, it was kind of funny when you were telling how you were how you kind of stepped down a little bit to like be more like generalist sort of style um, because I I did it differently so I did the the thing that you did where I made Roach Hydra every game but I I stuck with that for a lot longer that's effective <laughs> Yeah, well, I would still tweak it, right? Like it's still, but it's I'm I'm on this pathway of doing this this one specific thing, and there's still like changes I would make to that, but it was all built on the same foundation of that build, right? So I I never had this like oh I'm just gonna you know adapt or whatever. It's like no I'm doing this, but there will be chances where I have to adapt it, right? And I'm still kind of using that same foundational thing. And, you know, I still lean towards that style. I mean, I definitely, I'm capable of doing a lot of other different things and for different solutions, but um, that's that's how I like forged my foundation, you know, to get to, you know, like diamond or whatever. Um, so it was just interesting to hear you say that because again, there's a lot of things you do in your games where I'm just like, wow, her hive timing is, she is nailing it. And like, even even the sensation too of like, you know, you might have a couple questionable decisions in, in the uh, early more than game a couple I'm or something <laughs> like that. But but here's the thing. You can have those. But then when you get hive tech lurkers out, all of those all of those little decisions go out the window because you're dealing with an opponent who like is not prepared at all for that, you know, and like and then you just kind of crush it. Right. Whereas me, I would have probably uh, my strategy would be to make every decision in the early mid game as perfect as I can, and then try to muscle it through with, you know, whatever Roach Hydra and, uh, just forget that hives exist forever. Right. And so like where I'm at now as a player is just a, I have a different skill set than you'll probably have when you get to my level. Right. So it's just, it's different. Maybe. I, I don't know. You know, I will see because I, I don't know if I'll get there. It always feels like I'm never going to, but I'm sure I will. But I know that like um, leaning on your strengths is also something that's important in your like unit. Um, I want to say control, like your ability to set up good engagements is so 
much better than obviously than mine. But I think that a lot of that has to do with you have experience using that set of units and you know what they can do and you know how to move them. So it's like a really important point as well. I think, honestly, I feel like you just have to do all the things a lot. You have to do a lot of stuff and then you get better. Yeah. Well, and it's also this, this is a Twitch chat thing. I think we mentioned this last time, but it's like, hey, your opponent's doing this weird thing. Why don't you do this completely other weird thing that counters it? And it's like, no, I'm I'm going to do what I do, but I'm going to try to use that in a way that works, you know, and and sometimes you can't and sometimes you can't and, and you, you got to you got to experience it, you know? Yeah, I, I usually try and chat to whenever Twitch suggests something like that at me, I will take an open mind and I honestly I try to do it. I do it um, more often than I usually want to. But I will because you know what, sometimes it's really good. And you don't, you don't really know. And it's good to have stuff like that in your belt. But there are just some things where you can tell they're really focusing on the wrong portion of it. You're, you're, you're so, you're so, so nice to all of your chatters. It's really <laughs> incredible. I like them. And, hey, no, they're great. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great stream to hang out in. And, you know, it's one of these things, too, where it's like, I never, I, I don't like backseating, but I will throw you little nuggets of information every once in a while. And one of the things I try to give you the most is just like understanding stuff or like game sense stuff, because I think you have a lot of good skills, but I think like no game sense sometimes game sense stuff like y you really don't know until someone tells you or like you really don't know until like certain decisions backfire and then you're like oh this is a misunderstanding of the entire situation you know and uh i think this is also one of these weird things to measure it's these like weird intangible skills where like even even if it's like an intuition thing where you're like uh you know what i think this guy's going for this thing even if it's completely based on nothing you know, it's still a good thing to have in your tool book. And it's a good thing to like, be like, you know what, I was pretty sure he was making banshees just because of how he was being suspicious in this way or something like that. And, uh, you know, I have that because I'm bad at scouting, <laughs> you know, so like, I have a lot of intuition stuff because I'm lazy at scouting, or I just like put lings on the third and, and hope for the best, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, my game sense is definitely something that is um, developing, I'll call it. And uh, your notes on game sense and pretty much actually the game sense notes in the chat are one of the best things because I think that's one of the hardest things to get as a regular player. Um, and I would I would suggest that anybody who is interested in that start streaming. That is exactly why I started streaming. And it's been really helpful because people give you real time, you know, feedback. They'll be like, oh, you're going to get hit with like a million zealots in like one and a half minutes. And I'm like, what? How do you even know that? Like I, you see everything I saw. I did not have any idea that was happening. Then it happens, and you're like, okay. It's it's tough to scout sometimes, and and sometimes I I scout and you see it, but you don't you don't see it, and that's also sometimes why I'm like I'm in Ono's chat, and I'm like, hey Ono, you scouted his main. How many gates did he have? <laughs> did we did we count how many? Did we count how many? Like you know, it's 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 tough though, and it's tough to to find what is like the most important detail, you know, and and. I don't know. You got to learn from bad experiences sometimes. I mean, those I learn a lot from the same bad experiences over and over again, but that's well, the repetition part of it, you know? There have definitely been some games where I've like leaped into a Protoss's base and got the Reaper out and then thought, wait, was that a Robo or a Twilight or a Stargate? Oh, shit. But yeah, it's um, it can, like Game Sense is one of those things that it's it's definitely difficult to learn especially like on ladder because ladder opponent can do pretty much anything 
it, it does help to have like practice partners or coaches who can uh like help you analyze those games like I, I have a couple of friends who like i'll send replays to and they are phenomenal at figuring out what's going on like at the drop of a hat like I, i've seen people send in games it's just like I don't, I don't get it. Like, you know, this person just like sat behind cannons for a few minutes and got carriers out. And it's just like, well, you can tank push them. I know that's not technically part of your game plan, but you literally get a tank out and you kill them. Like, but learning, learning that kind of stuff is definitely difficult. Yeah, I agree. It, it does help to have someone go over, um, go over things with you if you're open to taking that in. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that is just really important for improvement and something that I've developed more is just like if I ask myself like, hey, how do you feel about dealing with this? And for most of it, I'm like, oh, I feel OK. You know, like there, there's still some stuff that I hate dealing with more than others. But for the most part, there's a lot of things where I'm like, if they do this, I have an understanding. I have a plan. You know, if back in the day when everyone was doing Glaive to Depths, like I'm. I'm still very comfortable dealing with Glaive to Depths. Uh, I don't see it as much, so I'm kind of rusty out of practice because, like, it's always, like, sneaky now or, like, hidden with a Stargate or something weird. But um, I'm still very confident in dealing with it, right? And even if it goes wrong, I still know that, like, my plan is a decent one, right? The, the other thing I'll say that is that is really funny about just scouting and having game sense is that you'll run into situations where... Uh, your read is correct, but also horribly wrong, right? <laughs> and it's it's the kind of it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, okay, the Proros has taken a third. Okay, I'm gonna drone up, and then they're all in you, and it was a fake third that like they don't probe or anything. Like those reads are actually really good for your understanding because you can be like, hey, we made a decision based on the third base timing, but. If we were to look into his base and see that he has 12 gates, you know, that tells a different story. But that's also like a whole nother extra step for you to check, right? And it's hard to check that sometimes. And, and it's hard to, um, to you have to kind of stretch your assumptions sometimes. And there will be times where you get punished for that. And that's, that's a big learning experience. And uh, it feels bad. But you also know that like I... I still feel like, hey, I made the right decision to drone because he's a crazy person who just put 400 minerals down to sell a story and he, he got me, you know? So I think that's actually a really good point that you make that it feels bad to get, you know, punished for doing something, um, but that it's something you need to focus to learn on. I think that if you feel bad about something, like if it makes you upset or annoys you or it really frustrates you, it's actually, I think like, as much as you probably don't want to hear it or inside or whatever, like it's probably a good signal that that's something that you should focus on and that you should look at, you know, maybe not directly after it just crushed you, but like, it's something you should keep in mind for, okay, a couple hours from now or the next day, you're like, all right, I need to practice versus carriers. Like, what should I do in this situation? Cause that's where it's going to be the hardest. Those things are the things I think that you need to focus on the worst, the most. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, the other thing I'll say is just like, don't be afraid to take a take a shot in the dark. If you're in a weird situation in the game, don't be afraid to just be like, eh, I'm going to play it like I'm ahead, you know, or like, uh, I'm going to play it like I'm really far behind. Because I, I think even just deciding to do that relatively quickly can can work wonders, even if you're wrong, you know, just just making that call 
almost instantaneously. Uh, you can check the replay and see if you're wrong, but uh, just, you know, hey, we'll see what happens. <laughs> that's that's me as a player, honestly. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Don't Don't be afraid to just make any call regardless if it's a bad call or not and if you know if you don't have enough information or anything and you know what's the worst that's going to happen you like you're going to lose you'll you'll win you'll win the points back you know eventually like it's all good just you know don't don't be afraid to make uh any kind of call you need because that's actually something that i do tend to struggle with um like if i'm scouting something and something seems off i will start to mentally panic and then try to think of all the different things that it could be. Are they all inning me? Is this like this some kind of timing push? It, you know, and it turns out that it's actually neither of those things. And you know, they put down like some kind of tech structure a little bit earlier than they should have. Um, I think the biggest thing is just don't be afraid to like pull the trigger on anything that you feel like you have to don't like don't panic whenever you see something that's off like sometimes the best call to make is to continue on with your plan but just be a little wary and be willing to change just make a couple of minute changes so that you can be safer but don't sit there and like try and figure out what they're doing and making your own game plan suffer as a result yeah keep on but you know also you know a lot of times i like to use that minor panic to push me forward into checking again like no i need to go back through i have no idea what they're doing you can't stop what you're doing you need to keep going but like maybe use that to and make you go forward yeah that's actually an excellent point yeah yeah and i think this is all just like the real time part of the rts the real time part is very huge you know and even even hesitating for a little bit i mean i can tell if i'm like floundering between decisions you know floundering whether to change my unit comp or uh floundering whether to be defensive like and and even if it's just a little bit of that it can cost me significantly you know and just having doing doing the slightly wronger wronger thing quick can save your ass in a lot of situations even if it's not perfect it'll still uh, you can still survive you know and and that's that's the punishing nature of the speed of the game, and uh, it's something I think we've all been through. Yeah, I agree. So I guess with that, we can uh, go ahead and wrap up the topic. Oh no, do you have any uh, final thoughts on measuring your improvement? No, oh, I think this was actually a really good recap. I think that if someone's looking to improve and wants some benchmarks, I think this is going to be a really helpful podcast for them. So, Dan, I'll switch it over to you. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of self-introspection in this game, and just being able to look at yourself and just, even even if it's just as far as like, hey, these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses, uh, that can go a long way for directing your improvement, right? And having a direction for your improvement will always benefit you, right? Because if you're just like, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be good, it's like, Okay, but like, how are you going to get there, right? And like, how are you going to make changes to the things you're already doing to help you measurably improve, right? Um, and and you know, there's all we didn't even get into like SE2 replay stats and stuff, which you can get like a million, a million, a, a million numbers. But like, I, that that's too much numbers for me, honestly. Like, I'd rather just I'd rather just look at replays and. I do think the inject thing is very helpful because it tells me how long my third base has not been injected. But um, 
if you really like numbers and you really like that sort of stuff, like go for it. You can definitely do things to, to help track that. But, but really, I think having a plan and having um, just an understanding of yourself as a player uh, definitely goes a long way. God, I'm so glad that you mentioned that C2 replay stats. That's a, that's a fantastic resource if you have not checked it out. I put a link in chat for uh, anybody who wants to take a look at it. It gives you so many statistics. I love it. <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I can say is uh, don't don't look too much to like the overarching picture, uh, like your MMR or you know, your win loss rate for the season. Look at, take a look at some of the smaller details that you can work on stuff that you can, you can, that you can improve and you can see the improvements on. But, uh, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and call it a stream. Once again, I'd like to thank Ono so much for coming out tonight. It's been such a pleasure to have you on and get to talk about this kind of thing. Uh, this kind of stuff with you. Thank you so much. Oh, this is like my favorite thing in StarCraft to talk about. I'm really glad you guys invited me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Oh, no, it's uh, it's great to have you on. And uh, I know you're a fan of the show, so it's it's uh, yeah. it's fantastic. And uh, <laughs> we're really happy you could make it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yep, I'll go ahead and uh, put some of her socials in the chat. Uh, Dan, once again, always a pleasure to have you on. You are such a fantastic friend i'm glad that we get to talk about these type of things every other week oh yeah always enjoy it always and again i've been lord cranial you can find my socials there i stream on twitch i have uh, a twitter this uh, podcast will be going up on my youtube channel speaking of which we are on spotify itunes and wherever you can find podcast and uh, with that, I think that's going to be all for us this evening. Thank you guys so much for coming out tonight and hearing about how a couple of uh, lower league players want to try and measure their own improvement. Thank you once again to Ono and Dan. I could not have done this without you guys. Good luck, have fun, and we will see you guys on the ladder. <laughs>